Hi, and welcome to Health Now from WebMD. I'm your host, Carrie Gann. There's a lot going on in the health headlines these days, but don't worry, we've got you covered with expert advice and stories on the health topics that mean the most to you. This week, new drugs offer hope for hard-to-treat migraine headaches. Then, what you need to know about the romaine lettuce recall. And later, do morning people live longer than night owls? Plus, why multitasking doesn't really work. And finally, our tweak of the week will help you get out of an afternoon slump. That's all coming up. People with migraine know it is more than just a typical headache. With symptoms like throbbing pain, nausea, sensitivity to light and sound, they can make everyday activities nearly impossible, sometimes for a few days each month. But there's good news for people who have it. A new group of drugs seem to be effective at preventing migraine attacks, even for people who don't get much help from current medicines. And doctors are calling these drugs a game changer. The drugs are a type called monoclonal antibodies, and they fight migraine symptoms at their source. They work on the system in the brain that sends pain signals, specifically a molecule called CGRP. The goal is to block that molecule, end the cycle of those pain signals, and stop symptoms before they begin. And in a recent study, they seem to work. One third of the people who got a monthly injection of the drug had half the migraine days each month than they had before, compared to people who got a placebo drug. There are medications out there now that aim to prevent migraine attacks, but they don't work well for everyone, and many come with tough side effects. Side effects of the new drugs seem to be pretty minimal in the study, although scientists say they need longer studies of more people to get a clearer picture of those effects. Now, these drugs aren't available just yet. The FDA is looking at approving a couple of them, maybe as early as this month. But if they do come to the market, they could make a real difference for people living with migraine. You've probably been seeing a lot about romaine lettuce lately in the news, and that's because almost 100 people in 22 states have been infected with E. coli from eating it, according to the most recent numbers from the CDC. Specifically, the problem comes from lettuce grown in the Yuma, Arizona region. And officials are recommending that you don't buy or eat romaine unless you're sure that it hasn't come from that area. And for most of us, that means throwing out whatever we have in the fridge. But we have a few more questions about this for Dr. Neha Pathak, our medical editor. Hi, Dr. Pathak. Hi, how are you? I'm doing all right. So throwing out all lettuce anywhere in the United States seems pretty extreme. Is that really necessary, even if I don't live in Arizona? As you mentioned, we are finding cases in many, many states throughout the country. And the issue there is that though it's grown in Yuma, Arizona, we don't know exactly where it's being shipped to. So when you see lettuce or your romaine in the restaurant or in your grocery store, unless you can be 100% certain of where the origin of that lettuce is, it is really important not to eat it. And if you have it already at home, to throw it out. Okay, but at the same time, I was in the grocery store this weekend and I saw that they had romaine lettuce on the shelves. And I know I went out to eat and there were salads or sandwiches that had romaine lettuce in them too. Is it still safe to buy what's on the shelf now or what's being served right now? Well, the hope right now is that retailers that are selling 
So grocery stores, restaurants that are selling the romaine lettuce have really confirmed that the lettuce that they are buying is from another source at another location and not from the Yuma, Arizona location. So it really then becomes up to you as the consumer to decide, do you trust that, that you have identified lettuce that is not coming from that location? So again, if you're in the grocery store, you should be able to see where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. If you cannot see that, because those labels are often very hard to find, uh, it's not always quite clear where the lettuce is coming from or your produce is coming from in general. So if you cannot be 100% certain, you should not buy the product. And it's not just whole romaine lettuce that we're talking about. It's talking about pre, we're talking about pre-packaged romaine hearts. Things that have been washed. Things, things yeah. that have been washed, things that are in packaging for salads. So it's really important that this is a broad place that we're looking for romaine lettuce and not just specifically at whole romaine lettuce. Interesting. So you pretty much just have to be sure that the place you're buying it from has checked and, and double-checked. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, so when will we know that it's safe to eat romaine again? Is there any sort of timeline that officials are working with at this point? Well, an important point to think about here is that it takes about one to five days from the time that you are exposed to romaine that may cause this very severe diarrheal illness from the from the E. coli from the E. coli okay and this is and we can talk about that as well the E. coli in this situation is a shiga toxin producing E. coli or E. coli 0157 it's uh, very specific <laughs> and it's very specific and it's important to know that because E. coli is all around us and that E. coli bacteria that doesn't produce this type of severe illness those bacteria are in our intestines, they're in the soil, they're all around us. So it's this very specific kind of E. coli that is creating this kind of illness. Um, it's much more pathogenic, so it makes us much sicker than the E. coli that's normally around in our environment. Mm. So that's the first thing to know. So by the time someone has symptoms, we it could be anywhere from one to five days of being exposed. Then you have to think about this person seeking medical attention, having the stool analyzed to see if it's this particular strain of E. coli, um, which can take a, up to a week or two, having that information be transmitted then to the public health department where they do special genetic testing again to see if this is the E. coli that we're concerned about and then having that information then passed on nationally. So it can take up to three weeks just to know whether or not we're still in this outbreak. Whether someone had that specific strain of E. coli. Correct. Wow. So right now, as we're talking, people that may have been exposed in early April or mid-April, we may not even know about those cases right now. So it will take several weeks for us to be confident um, that this outbreak is over. Gotcha. So just keep your eyes on the on the headlines and see if right. the if officials give us the all clear will there be some sort of communication that hey you can eat romaine now um, it will be very likely that the CDC will inform us that there are the cases have now dropped back to the normal amount expected 
and that we're no longer in an air, at a point where the cases are much higher than expected, which would mean that we're still within that outbreak. I see. That makes sense. Well, we'll keep our eyes on the news and wait for that word. Thank you so much, Dr. Pathak. We really appreciate it. Thank you. A few more facts on this for you. This E. coli outbreak is the largest since 2006. It's also sending more people to the hospital than a typical outbreak does. So for now, stay away from romaine lettuce until officials give the all clear. But as for your other produce, here are some steps to cut down on any extra bacteria. When you're buying at the store, look for produce without any damaged or bruised parts. Make sure what you buy has been refrigerated or kept on ice, and don't bag your fruits and veggies with meat. When you get home, store fruits and veggies in a refrigerator at a temperature of 40 degrees or lower. And speaking of your fridge, make sure you clean it regularly to get rid of any germs that could be hanging around. When you're prepping your food, first of all, always wash your hands before you get started. If you pull produce out of the fridge that looks rotten, throw it out. Don't risk getting sick. Wash all your fruits and vegetables before you eat them or cook with them, even those that have a peel that you take off. And don't use soap or detergent to clean them. That's not a good idea. If you're using pre-washed bagged produce, you don't have to wash it. But if you're working with firm produce, like melons or potatoes, scrub it with a clean produce brush. And finally, dry your fruits and vegetables with a clean towel or a paper towel. That can remove any bacteria that may still stick around. Got some sad news for you night owls out there. A recent study from the UK found that people who consider themselves morning people live longer than those who prefer to burn the midnight oil. The researchers followed more than 400,000 people from ages 38 to 73 who define themselves as either definite morning types, moderate morning types, or definite evening types. After six and a half years, the definite evening types had a 10% higher risk of dying from any cause than the other groups. And that was after the scientists took differences into account like age, ethnicity, sex, BMI, smoking, sleep duration, and socioeconomic status. People in the nighttime group were also more likely to have a range of health issues, diabetes, psychological issues, gastrointestinal diseases, and respiratory diseases. Experts aren't sure exactly why being a night owl hurts your health, but they think it might have something to do with the body's internal rhythms being out of sync with the rhythms of a nine to five workday and other daytime activities. So unless you can convince everyone else to adopt your late night schedule, you may wanna consider taking steps to make yourself more of an early riser. Easier said than done, right? Maybe not. Being a night person is partly in your genes, but we have some small changes that can help you make your mornings a little easier. Start by gradually getting up a little earlier each week, 10 to 15 minutes earlier this week, 15 to 20 next week, and so on. Put your alarm clock out of reach so you can resist the urge to hit the snooze button over and over. As soon as you wake up, open the curtains or blinds, turn on the lights, or step outside. Natural light helps you feel more alert and keeps your body clock on track. Then go ahead and have that cup of coffee or tea. Caffeine pumps up brain chemicals that boost your mood and energy. You can also work up to doing a morning workout. You don't have to go for a run. Even jumping jacks in your living room can get your blood pumping and rev up your nervous system. 
Early exercise helps you feel more alert in the moment and for hours later. Also, don't forget to have breakfast. Even a light bite will give you energy and help you focus. At night, help yourself get better sleep so you're less groggy the next morning. Turn down the lights and power down electronics an hour before bed. Avoid alcohol two to three hours before bedtime. And find ways to relax and unwind before you try to sleep to help make sure you get some high quality shut eye. Have you ever found yourself juggling several tasks at once and not doing any of them well? There's a new study that backs what you've suspected all along. Multitasking doesn't really work. When you do it, the results you get are worse than when you focus on just one task at a time. In fact, multitasking makes you about 40% less productive. Your concentration is worse, you're more stressed, and prolonged stress hurts your thinking and memory. Researchers uncovered this downside by studying the brain activity of people who were watching short segments of different movies. They found that when people watched films in six and a half minute segments, their brains worked better and more smoothly than when they watched 50 seconds at a time. It has to do with the parts of your brain that combine individual fragments into complete stories. Turns out those brain regions work better when they only have to process one thing at a time rather than piecing together multiple things. So if you're trying to tackle your to-do list, you and your project may be better off in the long run if you focus on just one task at a time. Now it's time for our tweak of the week. The one simple, easy thing you can do this week to make yourself healthier and happier. And we've all been there. It's three o'clock in the afternoon and you are dragging, trying to make it through the rest of the day. Do you head to the coffee machine or open the fridge to grab a soda? Instead, have a drink of water. Even mild dehydration makes you feel tired and sluggish and drinking more water, even just the walk to refill your cup, is a natural way to get a bit of a pick-me-up. Plus, staying hydrated is important for your overall health, of course. How much to drink? You don't necessarily have to do the eight glasses a day thing, though that's a reasonable amount for most people. For most of us, it's enough to drink water whenever you feel thirsty. That's all for this week. Thanks to everyone for joining us and thanks to everyone who's subscribed to the podcast so far. Talk to you next week.